the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Welcome in. Thursday edition Bruce Hooley Show. Glad to have you along on the Answer Network in Dayton on 94.5, Columbus 98.9. A relatively light news day in local matters, but unfortunately it has become all too routine or even a light day locally to include the city's latest homicide. Number 118 recorded overnight. This one's somewhat mysterious, not like the others that involved uh, young people getting involved in fights. This one, a mystery as Columbus police detectives went to check on a woman in the 4800 block of Carbondale Drive. Uh, they found her unresponsive, 58-year-old woman, so definitely an outlier in terms of the ages of murder victims. But she has signs of visible injury, so we'll stand by. There is a, an arrest in the shooting death of one of the teenagers that died within a one-week period here in Columbus about a week ago. Uh, Anaya Ely was the 17-year-old girl who was shot and killed in the short north in the vicinity of one of the city's parks, one of the city's elementary schools. That's an all-too-familiar story, even though our assistant police chief says our parks are overwhelmingly safe. They are not. No area of the city is safe. But Anaya Ely was involved in some kind of a disagreement with uh, other teenagers. Columbus police now say, she and two others dispersed initially, then met back up near the intersection of East 11th and North 4th Street. They approached a vehicle, and she was shot and died three hours later at Nationwide Children's Hospital. She's a 17-year-old black girl. She was shot by, the allegations are, a 19-year-old black male. His name is Kyrie Camper, arrested last night. He'll be arraigned on murder charges this morning in Franklin County Municipal Court. We don't ever hear our city leaders, our mayor, our elected representative for inner city Columbus, Joyce Beatty, U.S. Congresswoman, head of the Congressional Black Caucus. I would think she'd be concerned about young black people in Columbus dying at the hands of other young black people. But no, uh, the only death that gets the attention of any of those people is a death when it's caused by a Columbus police officer. So, um, I don't know how that changes. I don't know how we get our people in control of power in the city to care about things that they should care about. I know the ideal scenario is to hold them accountable at the ballot box. But I don't see any evidence that that is going to happen. Joyce Beatty will sail to re-election. Andrew Ginther's not on the ballot. He'll sail to re-election the next time he's up if he wants to run, if he doesn't have a higher aspiration for office. And that's sad. As I ponder the midterm elections coming up a week from this coming Tuesday, I've started to think about how odd 
it is that I have to temper my optimism that Republican candidates will triumph here in Ohio, like with the race of J.D. Vance against Tim Ryan, which the polls say remains close, or around the country. And, you know, we hear, oh, look, Herschel Walker may take Raphael Warnock's seat in Georgia. Adam Laxalt may beat Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada. Blake Masters has a puncher's chance against Mark Kelly in Arizona. And Dr. Oz obviously won the debate the other night against John Fetterman. Maybe it's a Republican wave. It's trending that way. And I tell you, I don't want to spike the football before the touchdown is scored. And then I started to think yesterday, why do I even have to worry about prematurely celebrating? Because we used to be in a situation in this country where policy performance predicts election results. Policy performance should predict election results. I'm not averse to voting for a Democratic candidate if I believe in their policy, assuming it's not a policy that violates the number one filter that I have, which is my Christian faith. Abortion violates that policy. Thou shall not murder. Can never vote for a pro-abortion candidate. Every vetting process I go through on every candidate starts there. I'll leave a space blank for an office if we ever get to the point where there is no pro-life candidate. But maybe not everybody's as invested in that issue as I am, but I look around at the issues out there and I've begun posting on social media. I was going to do it all in one post and then I thought, I don't have room in one post to just list all the things that could be frustrating you as a voter. And if they are frustrating you as a voter, remember your opportunity to hold politicians who've instituted those policies, your opportunity to hold them accountable is a week from Tuesday, the midterm election. Let's say, for instance, your 401k has dropped off. I told you I ran into a friend of mine who I had not seen in several years and I asked him how he was doing and his Right out of his mouth. Lousy. My 401k is down, you know, six figures. That's obviously, as Corinne Jean-Pierre would say, top of his mind. So if he's up at nights, worried during the day about his retirement, and he's very close to retirement, and his retirement is down more than $100,000, he has an opportunity in this upcoming midterm election to vote for candidates who will not, at the very least, will not support the policies that are in place. Maybe maybe 401k is not your thing. Maybe gas prices is your thing. Joe Biden keeps talking about gas prices coming down or coming down or coming down. I'm doing such a great job on gas prices. I'm doing everything I can. Uh, gas prices were 239 a gallon when he took over as president. He wants to blame COVID, 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 COVID. Well, they were 251 pre-COVID. Now they're 376. Is COVID the reason or is he the reason? I tend to think he's the reason because, I mean, if they were 251 pre-COVID and they were 239 when he took office, that tells you it wasn't COVID, right? Because he took office well after COVID struck. Maybe you're a parent and you're concerned about situations in schools. Are things trending in schools the way you want them to go? I know a lot of parents in Olentangy 
Upper Arlington, Dublin, Hilliard, who'd say, no, not at all, not close. Well, Tuesday, November 8th is your chance to register your objection. Maybe you're just tired of being told that the concerns that you have, maybe they're not one overriding concern. Maybe it's not just schools or just your 401k or just gas prices. Maybe all that bothers you, and maybe you're just sick and tired of being told that, what's wrong? Everything's great. The economy's strong. We rescued America with the America Rescue Plan. We're forgiving student debt, and you just get tired of being told things are good when you don't feel like things are good because you go to the grocery store and, wow, milk is expensive, and holy cow, potato chips used to be this, and now they're that, and eggs, and bacon, and hamburger, and... It's not like you're trying to feed your family filet mignon every night. You're just trying to find some kind of a protein that's affordable. Chicken isn't. Hamburger isn't. Eggs aren't. And the thought of feeding your family, um, you know, insects that are crushed into some kind of a something or other, that doesn't appeal to you. You're just being tired of told things are great. What's wrong with you? Maybe student loan forgiveness is your thing. Maybe with Halloween here and you've got a little one and you're sending a little one out to trick-or-treat and you're wondering, is some crazy idiot going to put rainbow fentanyl in my child's Halloween bag just for the jollies of finding out what kind of panic I can induce in central Ohio? Rainbow fentanyl has been found now in well over 30 states. Some people say, well, you know, if you're a drug addict and you have fentanyl, you're not going to spread it around. Really, you you doubt the level of evil that people have in our society? I don't. I think you're being lax as a parent if you don't take that threat seriously. So there are just a lot of things. I mean, I I heard a stat today. 30% of Americans have drained their savings. 30%. That's a third of the country has $0 saved. Why is that? Because gas is more expensive, because everything is more expensive, because maybe they made you stay home during the pandemic and shut you down, and, oh, the stimulus check was nice, but, wow, what was it? I don't remember, $1,400? Doesn't go very far. Doesn't go very far. So I'm just mystified why we're even, why I even have to be cautious about expecting a red wave in November. And then I remembered a column I wrote, or not I wrote, I read a long time ago from Bernard Goldberg. He used to be on Bill O'Reilly, he used to be on CBS News. And the title of Bernard Goldberg's column was Rooting for Laundry. Rooting for Laundry. We used to root for America. We used to root for prosperity. We used to root for the American dream. Bernard Goldberg wrote this column. It was like four years ago. Rooting for Laundry. Red laundry, blue laundry, Republican, Democrat. Are we so locked in that performance in policy no longer predicts election results? If you have thoughts, I'd like to hear from you. Uh, We'll see. I mean, performance in a debate, John Fetterman, bad. What's the fallout of that? We'll talk about it next. told by uh, Barack Obama that elections have consequences. And so things that shape opinions and 
help people decide who to vote for should also have consequences. Things like debates. Uh, John Fetterman, the Senate candidate in Pennsylvania, had a bad debate the other night. Uh, A very bad debate. Now, he is, as we all know, a stroke victim who on May the 15th said, I didn't, doctors tell me I didn't suffer any cognitive damage. On May the 15th, so we're June, July, August, September, October. So we're five months from John Fetterman sharing with us what doctors told him he suffered no cognitive damage from his stroke. He could have pulled out of the primary and allowed another Democrat to win the primary because it's a Democratic primary. Somebody's going to win. And then that person would be running against Dr. Mehmet Oz. Now, Dr. Mehmet Oz, the Republican nominee, uh, was a vulnerable candidate. A lot of people don't like Mehmet Oz because you know why? He's successful. <laughs> that's, a, that's a terrible thing these days to be an immigrant to the United States of America, as Mehmet Oz's parents were, to become a world-renowned heart surgeon and make a lot of money and help a lot of people. That's a bad life to lead in our country in 2022. So had John Fetterman not been so determined to remain in the race, right now Dr. Oz would probably be significantly behind in the Pennsylvania primary. That's my personal viewpoint. Maybe not. But Fetterman decided to stay in because Fetterman's wife, who theoretically should love him and care for him, Uh, encouraged him to stay in. And there are a lot of people who think that once John Fetterman gets to Washington, D.C., if in fact he gets there, uh, he will step aside after a month or two and his wife will slide in as the senator from Pennsylvania. Yes, I know you're saying, wait, that sounds fishy. But remember, you're the threat to democracy. Not, Not them having a surrogate in the same family stepping in. It's kind of like the whole way Joyce Beatty came to power. Joyce Beatty's husband, Otto Beatty, was a big-time politician. And then Otto Beatty died. And then, well, look. Look who got Otto Beatty's congressional seat. Well, I'll be dogged. It was Joyce Beatty. But again, you're the threat to democracy. So will this matter that Fetterman completely and utterly blew the debate? Tim Ryan, J.D. Vance, we didn't have a clear winner in those two debates. By the way, they're going to have a town hall on November the 1st that's going to air on Fox News at 6 o'clock that night. I must be amazingly uh, important to Fox to run that if they're going to preempt special report for it. Brett Baer, Martha McCallum will will host it. But we're not going to get somebody in the next and last Ryan Vance showdown to win as clearly as Fetterman lost the other night. Here's Mara Eliason of... National Public Radio. Uh, she's a decided Democrat. She makes no bones about the fact that Fetterman lost that, but she makes an interesting point, asks an interesting question. There is no one who said Fetterman did a good job last night. It was awful. However, the big question remains, how much is it going to hurt him? Maybe we're in this new era of politics where nothing matters. We're so tribal. We just want to make sure that the guy, as Britt said, can sit on the Senate floor and raise his hand for your your team. Uh, the big que- We haven't seen a lot of polling. We haven't seen hardly any public polling since the debate that tells us how much this has hurt Fetterman or how much it's helped Oz. Remember, Oz went into this debate with very, very 
very low favorable ratings. He needed to make himself more appealing to Pennsylvania voters. We don't know if he did that. He certainly won the debate on points because Fetterman just lost it. But we don't know how it's affected the race yet. No, we don't. And it may not it may not make a difference. Now we're going to talk to Matt Mayer of Opportunity Ohio at the top of the hour, and we'll see if Matt thinks it makes a difference in who wins that race. I think those who say it definitely tilts the race toward Oz are those who are operating under the impression that things like a candidate's cognitive ability really matter. But, you know, maybe we imagine that John Fetterman didn't do very well when he started the debate by saying, uh, hello, good night. I mean, literally said hello and then good night, everyone. Yesterday at the White House, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the reader-in-chief masquerading as a press secretary who can compile her own thoughts rather than read them out of a book, uh, she was asked about the president's view of John Fetterman in light of his halting, and I'm being kind, response responses to the questions that were, again, transcribed for him at the debate in Pennsylvania on Tuesday night. The president has found him to be impressive, uh, incredibly bright and talented person who's just as capable as always uh, to carry out uh, his office, uh, the duties of his office, as we know he is lieutenant governor currently, and has great ability and heartfelt concern for the people of the Commonwealth. And that is what uh, the president has observed himself. Impressive and incredibly bright and a talented person. Just as capable as always. That's Joe Biden's assessment of John Fetterman. And I know what you're thinking. Well, Bruce, by comparison, Joe Biden is probably envious of John Fetterman's cognitive abilities. And you wouldn't be wrong. You wouldn't be wrong on that. And how sad is that? Did it matter? While we're talking about the topic of does performance in policy matter, does performance in debates matter? It didn't matter that Joe Biden hid in the basement throughout his presidential campaign. Didn't matter one bit. Didn't matter how many times he's lied in the past. Didn't matter that he was accused of sexual assault on uh, Tara Reid. It didn't matter that he said an incredible array of blatantly racist things. If you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Poor kids are just as smart as white kids. I mean, Joe Biden was accused of racism by his own eventual vice presidential candidate. Did any of it matter? No, none of it mattered because we're rooting for laundry. So I'm hesitant to say that John Fetterman's performance will matter, even though it's something Britt Hume never seen before. Well, I've been watching this and covering this stuff for more than a half a century, and I've never seen anything like uh, that performance by Fetterman last night. You know, I'm hearing some commentary in his defense that says, look, you know, he's just going to be elected to the Senate, and the only thing that matters in the Senate is whether you can sit on the Senate floor and vote aye, yay or nay. But anybody who's ever covered the place knows there's a lot more to it than that. You have to be able to debate on the Senate floor, to, to advance your points, to defend them. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.